been a long time since we were here at G2. So I'm Josh, I am part of the team G2 Central, and, and I'm going to be coming to speak to you this afternoon and continuing the series that we've been doing at G2 Central, which is based in Galatians 5, which is a, a book in the New Testament written by uh, the Apostle Paul. And we're going to be thinking about, we've been thinking so far about freedom and fruit, and today we're going to be thinking a little bit about faith. And these are all in the passage, and they're not just alliterative titles that we picked up. Um, but before we get going, what we're going to do is talk a little bit on our imaginary tables. In order to get a full G2 Central experience, you have to use your full imagination, and there is an invisible table in front of you. And if there isn't, we can't have table talk. So there is an imaginary table there. Don't try and put your coffee cup on it, because it won't work. But we've been talking at G2 Central about laws, and about how, as Christians and as people that are trying to discover and a little more about faith, What's our relationship with rules and with laws? So to get us thinking on topic, I'd like to ask you a question and um, to talk about it your little cluster. And we're going to think about what's the last law or rule that you broke? If somebody confesses to you that they booked somebody on the way here, do please tell the police. This is not, um, there's no confidentiality agreement here. Um, but let's get us, let's start talking about breaking rules, breaking laws, and it'll be helpful to think about what your reaction is to laws and rules. So I'll give you two or three minutes with the people on your table. What's the last rule or law that you broke? Okay, so you should have had some chance to come back to the person next to you. Uh, I've got two very, what I think are quite entertaining stories about people breaking laws. So the other night, Ellie, my wife, uh, a big friend of one of the friends, um, she, uh, I'll, get, I'll get it in the next second half later. Um, but anyway, the other night, um, I was home and Ellie came back and, and she said that she just spent the last 20 minutes being read her rights in the back of a police van. And uh, I mean, I wondered what she'd done. So basically, it turns out that um, Ellie, um, being pregnant and also being very careful to be not using her mobile phone while she was driving, uh, and had uh, the police had spotted her on the phone to me, driving up to some traffic lights, and now she has to go on a course about how to drive more safely. So um, don't judge her at all. Um, the other funny story is, some of you know Pippa. Uh, so Pippa's another person who's on the team here. I asked her this question about the last time she broke a law, and she told me, um, so in Pippa's mind, um, it's against the law to drive round and round about more than eight times, apparently. Um, I'm really sure that that's not true. But anyway, Pippa thinks that it's against the law to drive around and round about eight times. And so once, uh, in the dead of night, she decided that she was going to be rebellious and um, just drove around and round about for more than eight times. And I'd really like to have just been in the car and watched her do that. And, uh, to see what kind of joy she got out of that. I'm not really sure. But the that I think was quite an exciting moment of breaking the law and going around the round about nine times. So, I don't know what you think about laws and what your response is to laws and rules. But I reckon there's one of two ways that most people go when it comes to rules. First of all, there's some of you in this room who are law monkeys. You guys are law monkeys. If there's a rule, there's a good reason for a rule. If there isn't a rule, there should be a rule. And if there's no rules at all, there's no set of structure, there's no list of things telling you what you ought to do, you introduce it yourself. You have your own list of rules and organisation and you like to stick to it. 
So when it says, no walking on the grass, it really does mean no walking on the grass. If your foot accidentally slips onto the grass, you have broken that rule, okay? That's what the law monkeys think. Law monkeys can't, t- can't cope when no one has told them what to do. They get even more stressed out when someone tells them what to do and they fail to do it. You get a nagging sense of guilt when you miss a university seminar, when you park on a double yellow line, or when you let a swear word slip in front of your kids, or even worse, someone else's kids. <laughs> you get annoyed when people overtake you on the motorway and you're doing 70 miles an hour, which is the legal speed limit. And probably one of the greatest injustices you've ever witnessed is in the supermarket when somebody pushed into the front of the queue, right? This is the law monkeys. Some of you will really resonate with this. You guys really, really love laws. You need um, to always ask for permission to do anything. So that's the law monkeys. The other response people have to laws, I think, goes the opposite way. And you guys aren't law monkeys, you're grace junkies. Grace junkies say that rules are there to be broken. You ask for forgiveness after and not permission before. When it says no walking on the grass, what it really means is don't get caught walking on the grass. You really hate people telling you what to do. In fact, often that makes you do the exact opposite of what you've been told to do. Um, You're really interested in the end goal, right? You want to get somewhere, and often rules are the things that get in your way. Rules are for boring people who lack imagination. Rules are there for people that can't get there by themselves. The thing with laws, laws, according to the Grace Junkies, as long as they're not the really, really serious ones, is you can always recover if you break one of them. You can replace what's been damaged, you can blag your way out of a difficult situation, and if worse comes to worse, you can offer a sincere apology. Getting stuck behind somebody doing 70 miles an hour on the motorway is the most painful experience in the world for a grace junkie. And sneaking into the front of a queue at the supermarket when someone has got three trolleys full of food is a good idea if you can get away with it. So that's the law monkeys and the grace junkies. And some of you, I think, will have already decided I'm most definitely a law monkey or I'm most definitely a grace junkie. But over the last two weeks at G2 Central, we've been thinking about a passage which I think is all about law monkeys and grace junkies. We've been thinking through Paul's letter to the Galatians, and particularly Galatians chapter 5, which Paul is talking to a very young church about what it is to follow Jesus. What is it to live a life of faith? Um, What is it to live a Christian life? And the the build-up to this passage and the the bit that we'll be talking a bit about today, um, Paul is addressing a certain group of law monkeys, a group of people that are trying to enforce the the Jewish practice of circumcising young boys on the entire church. And um, so basically Paul is addressing this group of law monkeys who've really got in a tiz over which bits of the Jewish law they should be keeping and which bits they're free of. So we've been thinking a bit about this as a community over the last two weeks, and we're going to continue thinking about it um, together this afternoon. Before we do, John's just going to come up and he's going to read to us the passage that uh, we're going to be looking at. So I'll pass you over to John, and then we'll talk a bit more about it. Thank you, mate. Uh, just for those who don't know, I'm John. I'm um, regular at G2 Central. I'm just going to read you Galatians 5, verse 1, and then from verse 13 onwards. So, where am I? So, it is for the freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. 
You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom and indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbour as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immortality. Immortality. Sorry. <laughs> Impurity and debauchery. I'm not going to get for this next bit without smiling. Idolatry and witchcraft. Hatred, discourse, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying of each other. Great. Thanks, John. That was great. Um, So... What can we learn from this passage? And what have we been thinking about in this passage so far at G2 Central? So, in week one of our series on freedom, fruit and faith, I spoke to us a little bit about what it means to live by a law and what it means to live free from the law. And what you find in Galatians 5 is Paul battling through this whole question of um, how do we, what role does the Jewish law, the things that um, the Jews held that were central to Jewish morality, what role do they play in the Christian life of faith? And what Paul does is he says, essentially, the law does not hold for Christians. Those who follow Jesus are not bound by the set of laws that you find in the Old Testament anymore. And remarkably, what Paul replaces this with is it just doesn't feel very helpful. That's what we reflected on in the first week. He doesn't give us any new rules to replace the old ones. In fact, what he does is he gives us a list of examples of ways to live by the flesh, and then a list of examples of living by the spirit. And um, essentially what Paul is doing is he's he's dressing the law monkeys and saying, there aren't any rules that you can do to get to this kind of life. In fact, in order to get the characteristics or the virtues or the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness and self-control, there aren't a set of rules that you can follow at all. There isn't a rule book for being a kinder person. And if you find one or you write one, you've probably missed the point of what it is to be kind. So that's what we looked a little bit about in week one of Freedom, Fruit and Faith. And then last week, uh, we looked a bit more specifically about these fruit of the Spirit. And Rosie and Ellie helped us to think through what these fruit of the Spirit are and how we can uh, apply them and think about them in our own life. One of the things that really stuck out to me was something that Ellie said that, about the metaphor of fruit. And it's this, that in order to grow the right kind of fruit, you need to be the right kind of tree. Apple trees are not very good at growing pears, 
and pear trees are not very good at growing apples. And so one of the first things we need to do if we're going to have these fruits and these characteristics in our life is to pray to God that he'll change us, that he'll make us the right kind of tree so that we can grow the right kind of fruit. And then for the rest of our meeting, we, we spent some time being creative and looking at these fruit, reflecting on them, what it would be to live a life that exemplified goodness and peace gentleness and all of these things um, to, as our prayer to ask God to grow these fruit in our lives as we explore faith together. And Rosie's going to talk to us a little bit about that at the end and we're going to be able to um, look at some of the creative ways that um, this was explored by G2 Central Community. So what we've got to in the, this discussion of Galatians 5 is that we are called to be people who are free from law and bursting with fruit. If we're going to live a life of faith then God, we want God to grow these characteristics in our hearts and in our characters. But this can feel a little bit abstract at times. It can feel like there's not very much help to figure out how we live this life of faith. So, what is the secret to the life of faith? How can I live a life of freedom, fruit and faith? Let me tell you. The secret to living a life of faith is to stop trying to live a life of faith. The secret to living a life of faith is to stop trying to live a life of faith. When was the last time you skipped church on a Sunday, stayed in bed, and just had a good time? You know there's nothing written in the Bible that says you have to be on a rotor for G2 every week. Did you know that? And I think Christian will thank me for telling you that later. (laughs) Um, But I hear you reply, doesn't God want me to serve the church? The church needs me to care about it. If I don't go to every church meeting, sell a group and worship event, I'm going to miss something that God wants to say to me. Do you know what? You've become so obsessed with the church meeting that you've missed the entire point of it. If you don't read your Bible every morning, the world's going to implode, right? If you don't get a comprehensive set of notes to every sermon you listen to, then how will you begin to apply it to your lives? If you don't use the right highlighter pen in the right verses, in the right pages of your Bible, how are you going to grow in your faith? Or maybe you've gone the complete opposite way, right? Maybe you're so busy beating yourself up for not praying, not reading your Bible, not taking notes and sermons, that this is the very thing that's keeping you from God. You're so nervous about breaking rules. You're so worried about having too much to drink or watching the wrong things that are not suitable for Christians on the TV that you're missing out on the social life of your office and your housemates. You're missing out on building the friendships with people around you that God wants you to build. You've made your life about keeping rules, doing the right thing. And you know what? Those rules are the very thing that are keeping you from knowing God. Law monkeys, listen. You can't take this passage in the Bible seriously. You can't take Galatians chapter 5 seriously whilst you build a set of rules and laws around you. That's not a life of freedom. There is no rule book for being a kind and loving and gentle and self-controlled person. So stop trying to write it, okay? Above all, what God wants is for you to know him, he wants you to love him, and he wants you to know that you're forgiven. You are completely free of expectation, from regulation and from law. The secret to the life of faith is to stop trying to live a life of faith. The secret to the life of faith is to start trying to live a life of faith. How seriously do you take your faith? Did you know that faith, the life of faith, is a life of discipline and effort? It's okay though, right? Because God will forgive me, he loves me, he knows that I want him to be there. I can ask for forgiveness from God whenever I need it. Let me ask you this. 
Would you try and make a functional relationship work if you had to ask for forgiveness for the same thing every day? So what makes you think that's going to work with God? You say that you're interested in faith, that you say that you're interested in Jesus, but when was the last time that you opened your Bible every week, and every morning for a whole week, and read it, studied it, not just glanced at it, but spent time with it, devoured it? Do you know what? God cares so much about what you do with your time. But I swear that Facebook sees more of you than God does. Oh, but do you know what? It doesn't matter. God's everywhere. I don't need a quiet time. I just wander around the streets. I go for coffee with my friends. God is with me all the time. God is everywhere. Why do I need to sit down and pray? Really? I mean, would you say that to your wife or your girlfriend or your boyfriend? I I wandered past you earlier in the street and I waved at you. We don't need to put a date night in the diary. We don't need to spend time investing in our relationship. Do Do you really think your friendships would work? If you never made any effort to speak to your friends. And then when you did, you were just ringing them up to apologise or to ask for something. Relationships take commitment, they take effort and they take hard work. And your relationship with God is not any different to that. Paul tells us here to walk and step with the Spirit. He doesn't say sit and step with the Spirit. Um, walking is something very active. Um, it's not a passive verb. You can't just sit and let God do all the work for you. Growing in your faith requires you to act, it requires you to seek God, and it requires you to look for opportunities to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. But what about grace? I thought that I was loved and forgiven and cherished, and God sits there singing over me how much he loves me all day long. Do you know what? Fruit doesn't grow by magic. Have you ever tried to keep a plant alive, let alone fruitful? I'm entirely hopeless at that. But it requires you to know when to water it, when not to water it, when to give it certain plant food, when to put it in the light, when to put it in the window. You need to know um, when to pick the fruit, when it's going to be too sour and inedible, when it's going to be too mouldy and it's not going to be good for anything. Growing in the fruit of faith is no different to this. It requires knowledge, it requires care, and it requires discipline. Grace monkeys, you need to listen. If you want to grow in your faith, you need to get some discipline. You need to start taking faith seriously. What is it that's stopping you getting up 30 minutes earlier every day to seek God? What is it? God's grace is entirely unconditional for you, but it didn't come cheap. It cost Jesus his life to save us and to forgive us, and so that we can be in relationship with him. We, we can't take that for granted. The secret to living the life of faith is to start trying to live the life of faith. Okay. So I've probably offended, I think, 90% of people here, right? Um, and I'm glad. If you feel irritated or wound up, um, you should do. Um, but this is the tension that we live in, in exploring what it is to live a life of faith. This is the frustrating tension of what it is to work out Christian discipleship, Christian morality, and Christian faith. Um, and I think probably the thing you got most irritated by is probably the thing you need to listen to most. So what we're going to do in, for five minutes before um, I just wrap this up and Rosie comes to help us respond is to just um, unpack that a little bit with the people around you. Um, what did I say that really annoyed you? Um, what was it that really got to you? What did you think wasn't true? And are you a lawmaker or a grace drinker? And another question that I think you might want to discuss um, is which kind of attitude do you think the church is most known for? What does society, what impression does society get of the church? as a bunch of long monkeys or a bunch of grace junkies. So we'll have five minutes to chat and then we'll come back together to wrap it up.
will have come said something interesting and hopefully those discussions will start to form the beginning of a longer conversation and I hope you'll find time to think a bit more about that with the people that you're with and maybe if you have time to go to the pub or meet up with um, cell groups in the week this would be a great thing to carry on talking about. So let's, let's think about where we should go next. So law monkeys, the problem is that we go so far in our rulemaking sometimes that we know that we become obsessed. We miss the point of loving God and loving our neighbour. And we, should, we need to be aware that loving God is not what... Um, that living by rules is not what God wants from us and it's what, not what God made us for. God wants to change our character inside and out. And I think often the problem comes when we think of um, sin as, a, as an action and not as a characteristic of our heart. The number of people that ask me, um, is, it, is X a sin? Is Y a sin? Is it sinful to do this? Is it sinful to do that? I think very often um, the answer is, there's almost everything that I could say is a sinful action. Um, I could probably think of an exception to it. Because the reason is sin is a problem of the heart, not a problem of the action. Specific examples of things that we regard as sinful are things that work out from people that um, are broken and that need God's healing. If we, if we make it solely about doing the right thing, we can really easily become like the Pharisees, those teachers that Jesus spent a lot of time with rebuking and arguing with. And I think the Pharisees are really good examples of law monkeys. The thing is, with Pharisees, these were people that were really good men and women that wanted to know God, but they just got it so wrong. They, was, they were really zealous about um, seeking God and pleasing God. And I imagine some of them really wanted to get it right. But the law for them had become an idol and it had become a god. And Jesus didn't pull any punches with the Pharisees. He called them um, whitewashed tombs. He called them clean cups with dirty liquid inside. These are people that have appearance of cleanliness, but inside are dead and far away from God. So first of all, if we're low monkeys, let's not fall into the trap of thinking that we are miles away from being Pharisees. Um, laws can very easily become idols, and they can very easily end up enslaving us. So if that's you, I think that's something to think more about and to pray about and, and to seek God about. How about the grace junkies? Grace junkies. You're probably nodding along through that last bit, right? Thinking, yeah, you know what, he's right. I can think of somebody exactly like that that needs to learn that lesson. Um, but, but Paul says in this passage not to use your freedom to indulge the, the sinful nature that you've left behind you. Um, just because God says that you're free doesn't mean that right and wrong is not a thing that you need to think about anymore. Or that discipline and striving aren't important for your relationship with God. Jesus tells us a lot about grace junkies. His teaching on moral behaviour is extreme. He tells you if you look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery in your heart. His teaching on spirituality is very specific. He tells you when you pray, you should go into your room, shut the door and pray to your Father in heaven. Your, your freedom is something that came at a great price. The price of Jesus dying for you to save you from sin. So you should really care deeply about how you, li- li- how you live. God's grace is an offer of forgiveness. But that grace, the response to grace should be that we're people longing to do good. The law points to, the, to brokenness, yes, but it also points to goodness. Jesus says to you, there's a better way for you to live. So all of us, whether we're grace junkies or whether we're law monkeys, there's one thing that I'd like us to really hear from this passage in Galatians. And it's this really short sentence that Paul says in Galatians 5, which he says, the secret to not being a law monkey or a grace junkie is to live in step with the Spirit. To, to live in step with the Spirit, to seek 
God, to, to seek God in all things. And I think this is the sort of thing that's very difficult to be legalistic about, but it's also very difficult to be very lazy about. We have to be able to seek God in everything. And the metaphor of fruits that Paul uses is a metaphor that Jesus also picks up on at another point in the New Testament. So in John chapter 15, um, Jesus is using this same metaphor of fruit as a metaphor for spiritual growth. And he says this, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts every, off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Ultimately, if we want to take Jesus' command seriously and to be able to grow in spiritual fruit, we need to figure out what it is to remain in Jesus, to come near to Jesus. And ultimately, this comes down to our relationship. To grow in faith is to grow in relationship with Jesus. To grow in these fruits of love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control, we need to seek God. And this requires discipline, it requires commitment, but it isn't a new rule which we should be judged by. We need to find a way of putting things in place in our life that will naturally bring us closer to Jesus and enable us to live in step with the Spirit. And this is something that we're going to reflect a little bit about just by using the simple tools of the fruit of the Spirit that we find in Galatians 5. So Rosie's just going to um, quickly come and help us to figure out how to respond and she's going to pray for us and then uh, you can grab another bacon sandwich. Oh, is there bacon there? That's such good news. Um, hi, I'm Rosie. Um, good to see you. Thank you so much for having us back. It feels brilliant to be back. So to enter the service today, we wanted to take a look back at something that we did last week at GT Central, which was called 210. Now bear with me, this is a little bit more complicated than your normal reflection, so I'm going to explain it as clearly as I can. Um, But you should have some envelopes in your little semicircles. Can you find them, the brown envelopes? Wave them at me if you've got them. There we go, okay, so you've got the brown envelopes. Last week, we looked at the different fruit of the Spirit on our table. So we had about nine different tables to cover the nine fruit of the spirits, And we gave our, um, our central team a bit of a challenge. And so on each uh, table, we gave them the fruit of the Spirit. Um, and we gave them envelopes that said, uh, quote or Bible verse, depending on which fruit of the Spirit was. So if it was love, they would have had love Bible verses and love quotes. And in those envelopes, they didn't know what they said, but there was a Bible verse according to that fruit of the Spirit. So love, for example, uh, we love before he loved us first. We love because he loved us first. There we go. Or love is a roller coaster. Um, so they had loads of different stuff in them. And um, we gave them the challenge of spending 10 minutes looking at that verse or, by, uh, or quote. There we go. Um, and coming up with a two-minute reflection on that. So we've, in those envelopes, we've printed out and photocopied some of the ones that we thought were brilliant, um, and we'd love to use them as a reflection to end the service today. So have a look at those, share them out between your tennis circles. There's some spare ones at the front here if you're in need. Um, and we just wanted to reflect on the, the, these different fruit of the spirit and also the law um, junkies or the grace monkeys, other way around, law monkeys or grace junkies. Is that right? That's so hard to say. Um, so we're going to have a bit of a song now. And a bit of time on, in our groups to have a look at those. If you want to write something down, if it's come to mind, use the post-it notes or write it in your phone. Or if you just want to have a look at those sheets of paper and those reflections, just use those 
and um, just our students what he's saying through those pictures to you. So we're going to have a few minutes to do that now, but I'm just going to pray before we do that. Father God, we thank you that you love us whether we search for grace or whether we're law monkeys. Father, we thank you that you love us wherever we are on that scale. And Lord, we pray today, wherever we're at, that we just might grow a little bit more like you and we might learn a little bit more about you through these reflections. Amen.